All right, folks. Well, today, this is John um, coming to you from the head of the bed, and we're joined by Dr. Sean Collins, who currently serves as the director of the Graduate Nursing Anesthesia Program and the Interim Associate Dean of the College of Health and Human Sciences at Western Carolina University. Dr. Collins completed his anesthesia training at Erlanger Medical Center at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, and went on to obtain his Doctorate of Nursing Practice from Rush University before going on to obtain his PhD in Leadership from Andrews University. He maintains his clinical practice at several CRNA-only sites in North Carolina and Iowa, and uh, his primary research is on emotional intelligence of student-registered nurse anesthetists. His PhD dissertation on emotional intelligence won the Andrews University School of Education's Outstanding Dissertation Award, and the show notes to this podcast will provide a link to his December 2013 article titled, Emotional Intelligence as a Non-Cognitive Factor in Student-Registered Nurse Anesthetists, which was published in the AANA Journal. In this podcast, we want to discuss the significance of emotional intelligence in nurse anesthesia education and student success. And Dr. Collins, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great. So tell us a little bit about your research and your interest on emotional intelligence. Well, my interest in emotional intelligence probably first started uh, as a young CRNA. I was 25 years old and I was doing a uh, AAA repair with a cardiothoracic surgeon who had a reputation as, as uh, a lot of cardiothoracic surgeons do. And um, as we were getting ready to unclamp the aorta, we had started loading them up with fluid and started uh, uh, neosinephrine in anticipation of unclamping that a- the aorta. And then when the aorta was unclamped, the pressure did, in fact, fall. And uh, I gave a bolus of neosinephrine. And 15 seconds later, the the surgeon looked up uh, at the slave monitor and started throwing a a fit and and yelling and screaming and, you know, why is this pressure so low? And I calmly responded, you know, look, this is what I've done. This is is what I've been doing, you know, in about 30 seconds. It's not going to be a problem. And sure enough, the blood pressure came up to 110, you know, and everything was, was fine. And going forward in years after doing open hearts with this surgeon, um, never once had another issue with him. And so I thought, I started thinking about that and, and how I responded to that. And what he really wanted was me to respond in kind, which was anger, you right. know, and, and, and be confrontational. And, and I think what ended up happening was because of the, the way I responded to him in, um, uh, not raising my voice and handling it in a calm manner. I think he probably respected that, and 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 going forward, then I didn't have any trouble with him. So that's what got me interested in emotional intelligence. And and when I was looking for a dissertation topic, you know, I thought back to that time and and thought, well, that might be an interesting thing. And I had read some stuff uh, written by Daniel Goleman, who is really considered the father of emotional intelligence. Uh-huh. And so, um, so that's how I ended up getting. Uh, uh, interested in emotional intelligence, and my research then was focused on um, emotional intelligence in nursing anesthesia students, and it was a cross-sectional. That original study was a cross-sectional study, so it looked at the students at one point in time. Uh, you had first semester at one year, and then at graduation, and then we also took those ones at graduation, compared their emotional intelligence scores with uh, with national certification examination scores and to see if there was any correlation or any predictive value of that. Right. So briefly explain to the listeners, what is emotional intelligence? How is that different than cognitive intelligence or other types of intelligence? 
And what relevance does that have for SRNAs and nursing anesthesia program faculty? So emotional intelligence um, is really defined. There are several definitions. It depends on who you, who's you read. You know, the one I like is by Meyer, Solovey, and Caruso. Uh, one of those guys is out of the University of New Hampshire. The other two are out of, I believe, Yale University. And they define emotional intelligence as the ability to process emotions, not just your own emotions, but the emotions of those around you and understand where they're coming from and be able to take those emotions to uh, come to a positive outcome for everybody involved, not just you, but but the other person or other people on the team, for example, um, and so that everybody has a positive outcome. And there are ways to do that and incorporate several different things, including communication theory, um, and, uh, and awareness, self-awareness of, of yourself and others and being able to perceive what's going on around you. But then the important thing is to be able to take that and, and use that information appropriately. And the, um, the link with EI and students was very interesting because uh, using, again, Meyer, Solovey, and Caruso's ability-based model, and there are three models of emotional intelligence, to be clear. There's an ability-based, trait-based, and mixed methods. Uh, Reuven Braun is really the proponent of the trait-based uh, method of emotional intelligence, and um, the you know there are, there are critics of all of these models, but the critics of this particular model state that it's really too close to uh, personality testing, and so it really what benefit does it add? Then uh, Daniel Goleman is mixed methods, which includes trait-based and ability-based. Uh, so it's, it's and he really started this whole thing and his test that he uses to test emotional intelligence is the EQI mm -hmm. uh, test and then the uh, the ability based model which is by Meyer Sorovi and Crusoe really truly look at this as an ability that can be developed and I mean Goldman thinks that he takes that ability component in his uh, mixed methods and says again that this can be learned this can be improved mm -hmm. versus cognitive intelligence you look at IQ IQ is set through life you cannot change your IQ but you can change your EQ, which is emotional intelligence. You can improve that. And so it's looked at more of as an ability, something that you can improve. Right. Going back to the article that you published, your research explored possible links between emotional intelligence, successful matriculation from anesthesia programs, and NCE exam scores. What did you find? Well, we really didn't look at successful matriculation in that study. Um, the What we looked in this study was... Uh, the correlation really between emotional intelligence and the national certification okay. examination scores. And if you look at the, the construct of, uh, put, as put forth by Meyer, Solovey, and Crusoe, the ability-based model, you're looking at an overall EI score. Then you have two uh, area scores, four branch scores, and eight task scores. And it sort of just flows down, you know, as it would in a diagram, you know, uh, underneath each other. So, what the, the research on emo, emotional intelligence and anesthesia students showed in terms of correlation and prediction for national certification examination scores was that the facilitating uh, branch and its, its subsequent two task scores that fall under it um, are all three predictive of national certification examination scores, which is pretty interesting because they all come from the same construct mm -hmm. in that versus having a task score in one of the other area scores. You know, but it was only the facilitating branch and its two task scores that were predictive. So while overall emotional intelligence wasn't, score wasn't predictive, a certain branch of it is predictive. Now the facilitating branch is being able to, you know, the students are good at perceiving emotions, uh -huh. not just theirs, but, but others around them. But the facilitating branch is really the ability to take those emotions 
and then um, use them to your benefit and to and, and that doesn't mean you know to get the upper hand on somebody that right. means to have a good outcome for everybody but interesting even though that was predictive of nce scores anesthesia students were low in that area so what that what does that say to us i mean there's a couple of things you could look at it as well maybe we should test for this area on admissions to uh-huh. see our take the ones that are high in the facilitating branch and, and their task scores or we can develop that in the program and right. teach them how to then use these emotions effectively. Um, and the there's another article that is getting ready to be published in the Asia Pacific Journal of Oncology Nursing about, and it, actually I took those first year students from that first study and then retested them in their last semester, just uh-huh. as they're getting ready to graduate, just to see if there was a change in emotional intelligence simply by transitioning through an, an anesthesia program. And there was not. There was no statistically mm-hmm. significant change in emotional intelligence just by going through an anesthesia program. So the next step then would be to in- implement training and, right. and see if that uh, affects any kind of outcome. So basically what you're saying is that your research found in area the ability to understand the emotions of people around you and use that to your benefit, that if you had skills developed in that area, that was predictive of higher success rates on passing CRNA boards. But overall, nursing anesthesia students were lacking in right. that area. Right. So how can SRNAs develop that area and other aspects of emotional intelligence? Well, one of the, the interesting findings of that study also was uh, overall GPA, and it was not predictive of, of NCE scores. And we've known that. I mean, that's been looked at by many other people. Um, what was interesting, though, was that the overall GPA was predictive of the facilitating scores. Huh. So, so indirectly, you could say that is it is predictive. So, how do you develop emotional intelligence? The the if you look at Daniel Goleman's, obviously, we talked about self awareness as being the first step, and you sort of need to be able to stop and and look and look around you, and it's sort of like the eagle method or the hawk method, where you you think about an eagle or a hawk flying way high, right? They get uh-huh. this global perspective, you know, that we don't get. They can see a lot from that height. You know, so really just slow down and and take the time to look around you and see what your environment is like, what's going on. Um, You know, a lot of this, again, stems from communication theory. So it's it's being an active listener. It's which means being engaged. You know, 80 percent of communication is Mm nonverbal, you know, for example. And so you and and all of this takes practice. You know, you hear about these commercials about numosity or whatever it is dot com. You know, we do these brain exercises and, you know, it's like any habit, you know, in our, our brain. The more you do something, that groove gets deeper and it's easier to go down that path. So it takes practice. So if you would think of a a stoplight. For example, uh-huh. so you have red, yellow, and green, right? So you 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 get this emotion in, in emotional input, and we are emotional beings. Humans are emotional beings. Mm-hmm. There's going to be emotional uh, um, emotions in any interaction with other people. And so you think about the stoplight. You get red. Something happens, and you, you stop. Okay, it means open your ears, close your mouth, don't say anything, because that's usually what gets you in trouble. Because the physiology of emotions, right? We get this sensory input, this emotion that's coming in, and it goes up and it goes through the amygdala first, Mm -hmm. which is our emotional center. So immediately we get this emotional hijacking where the amygdala causes you to have a response, whether it's anger or some other emotion, uh, before that sensory input has a chance to get to your frontal cortex where hmm. decisions are made. That's interesting. So, so that from a physiological perspective, it's, it's really, it makes sense, you know, if you talk about it from a you know, scientific background. So, um, so stop, all right, because that, that sensory input is going to get to your amygdala first. Right. 
and 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 rather than having that immediate reaction that your amygdala would cause you to have that emotional reaction stop yellow is the yellow light would be okay you've stopped what are my options and you think through what can i do here you know you you can you can get angry and sometimes there's it's appropriate you know mm-hmm. it's not i'm not saying that anger isn't an emotion we should have it's just it should be used wisely mm-hmm. and uh and look at your options uh, should i yell back at this person should i um think that this person may be going through a lot at home or outside of work right. that is causing them to act this way. Maybe I, maybe they just really need somebody to listen to them, you know, rather than reacting and say, you know, and, and part of communication then is also reflecting. So you could, if they're saying something, you could just calmly respond by saying, um, okay, well, this is what I hear you saying. Mm-hmm. You may be completely off base. You may be right. And, and, but th- sometimes that's all they want is to be heard. Right. You know, so so the, that yellow is is sort of the caution. Okay, look at my options. Which option? Which option is I gonna, am I going to choose? Green is then take that option and go with it, and and see where it goes. You know, and um, sometimes you may get feedback from other people, for example, um, and it may be warranted. It may not. It may not be correct feedback. You know, only ten percent of it may be correct. But look for the part that is correct, and, and what can I learn from this? What can I do from it? Look at everything as a learning opportunity rather than a mistake. Right. So those are those are great ideas. One bird's eye perspective. Try to think about. I mean, I imagine an sRNA or a cRNA in the OR, you know, or in pre-op. You have your task. You've got your assignments that you're focused on that you need to take care of. But as part of that scan of your environment. Take a bigger look around and think about who are the people in the room? What's going on? What's the tone? What's the temperature of the room? Not necessarily Fahrenheit Celsius, but how are people responding? How's the surgeon acting today? Who's having a good day? Who's having a bad day? Keep a global perspective on the situation. And then your uh, suggestion of the stoplight, red, yellow, and green is phenomenal. So those are those are good tips that people can can take with them. How do you think emotional intelligence can shape one's career as a CRNA? This is something that can be learned over time. So if you can develop emotional intelligence over one's career, how can that shape your career? Well, it's interesting. There's been a lot of research actually out there on how emotional intelligence affects, uh, is effective in leadership and in, in education and in the job market. There's actually a study done by the uh, Air Force that looked at uh, their turnover rates for Air Force recruiters. They had these huge turnover rates for Air Force recruiters, and they thought, well, let's look at emotional intelligence. So they, they looked at what they thought, uh, what components of emotional intelligence were important for that job position. And then they, they recruited people who were high in those areas or taught people that, that area. And their turnover rates for those positions dropped dramatically. Hmm. Um, there's also research out there that talks about the emotional intelligence of a team. So there, there's not just the emotional intelligence of an individual person, but teams have you know collective emotional intelligence. And those teams succeed more often than teams that have a lower. Do you think that's why some teams focus on personality training as an element of emotional? I know, I know they're, they're distinct, but if you understand this person's kind of type A leadership, this person's detail oriented, I mean, can, can that feed into? Well, I mean, you can, you can look at strengths-based leadership, you know, and that's, that's a theory where you, you uh, or even situ- situational leadership theory where you have a, a, a problem and you need this problem solved. And you look at the team members that you have and look what strengths do these people have and then match up the right person for that problem, you know, given the, the, the time, the problem and the person. And, um, and then, and then getting that, 
you know, done right. But I think emotional intelligence is not something that is just a, a situational type thing. I think it's something you can use in every situation in mm-hmm. life. I mean, it's it's uh, not just your career, but your your family as well. Um, the the other thing that's interesting about the studies that have been done on emotional intelligence in, in career perspective is, so if you think about, again, Meyer-Solovey and Crusoe's model, you know, their, an average score is, a mean score is 100, Okay. One standard deviation is 15 above or 15 below, mm-hmm. points below. That's one standard deviation from the mean. And research shows that for every increase in point in emotional intelligence that a person has, increases their income by $1,300. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the, now I'm not saying that you should go out and test yourself and go to your employer and say, <laughs> hey, you know, here's my emotional intelligence score. I need a raise. Yeah, yeah you know, sure. But – but overall, obviously, you know, the people who have higher emotional intelligence tend to make more money. That's very interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. So a little bit of incentive built into the whole uh, shebang there. So let's see here. So other things that we want to chat with you about. So we've talked a little bit about how emotional intelligence can influence your career, how emotional intelligence can be helpful for the workplace and for family. How do you see this information and this research shaping admissions decisions, training, and as far as curriculum for nursing anesthesia educators? Right. Well, as we mentioned, you know, particularly the facilitating branch, you, you could theoretically start training those students on um, the facilitating branch of emotional intelligence, how to use those emotions appropriately. And um, so that's one thing you could do. And, and obviously, because it, if, if it truly does pan out as initial research has shown, that's predictive of NCE scores, then obviously we, we that's of interest to us as right. educators. Um, in terms of admissions, I know of at least one university that is already doing uh, emotional intelligence testing for admissions purposes. Uh-huh. And I know, uh, having talked with several other program administrators, that they are looking at emotional intelligence and right. using emotional intelligence as part of their admissions decisions. And and we've started looking at it. You know, it's it's a potential for us. I don't think it's going to happen this year because our, our interviews are right around the corner. But... but um, but yeah, I think that that all the data that's been done, there's been tons of research done on the cognitive things of GRE, overall GPA, science GPA. Science GPA is slightly predictive. It's the only one, you know, years of acute care experience, all that stuff has been researched. And there's right. really no predictive outcome, you know, outcomes with that, you know. Um, so that's another reason I started looking at emotional intelligence, something that's non-cognitive. Something that isn't necessarily related to that cognitive side of thinking, you know, right. like IQ and those kinds of things and then those numbers. But obviously we need to quantify somehow emotional intelligence. Another reason I like Meyer, Slovian and Crusoe's um, uh, tool. That's interesting. So it has, it's got potential for selection of SRNAs for a program because of its correlation with the NCE scores. How does this, you know, you're not officially using this at Western Carolina University, but Certainly, this is in the back of your mind. Certainly, this is in your subjective assessment of applicants when they come to apply. How does that influence your decision making? How does that influence your assessment of a student when they're in an interview? Well, I think I think some of that goes on in an interview, even though it's not an official score per se on emotional intelligence. But when you ask a student, or excuse me, an applicant, um, for example, tell us about a time where you have had conflict in the workplace, and mm-hmm. how did you deal with that? You're really looking at their emotional intelligence when you ask that question. Right. And that's a common question, not just for entrance into an anesthesia program, but for a job interview, you know, sometimes uh-huh. because they want to know how you're going to fit in with the team. And particularly in a small program like ours, where we only admit 15 students in a class, that can be extremely important to us because versus a program that may have 70 or 100 students in a class, you know, or even 40 or 50, you know, that, that you can sort of get lost in that and, and sort of 
meld into the woodwork, you know, versus a, a small class, you know, somebody who has challenges getting along with other people, you know, it's like the old saying goes, just because you have a high IQ doesn't mean you're going to be successful in life. It's, it's right. about getting along with people, you know, um, or just because you have some initials behind your name doesn't mean you know what you're doing. You know, it's the same concept, you know, so getting along with people is important. And I, and, and I think that's already, people may not know that they're really looking at emotional intelligence in, in interviews, but they are when they ask that question. Uh, is there anything else that you want folks out there to know about emotional intelligence or research or, or how this is going to influence the anesthesia community? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we've we found out a lot of good things about emotional intelligence in terms of anesthesia. We know that it's good not just in the anesthesia program, but but it's, it's been demonstrated that in the workplace it's important. And we work in teams. There's a lot of stuff on emotional intelligence in teams. And, and we, as anesthesia providers, work within a team model a lot of times. You know, not just the anesthesiologist sometimes, but but with the circulator, the surgeon, right. you know, the scrub tech, you know, and all those people in the room. And it's a team, you know. And so it's important. Um, so I think there's more research that still needs to be done with from an anesthesia perspective on the team model. Um, we're also going to uh, do pre post-testing with after intervention in terms of training for emotional intelligence. So uh, I think that there's, there's, it's a ripe field yet for, uh-huh. for uh, research in anesthesia and um, I'm continuing down that road. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think it's, it's fascinating work. I think that anything that can enhance your ability to communicate more effectively, to work more effectively in a team is profoundly important because that's what we do. I mean, we're there for the patient. We're there to accomplish certain tasks, but we accomplish those things as a team and each individual, what they bring to the table, whether you're the OR nurse or the surgeon or the anesthesia provider, I mean, those things, all those people need to come together and be able to communicate effectively and, uh, and work well to accomplish whatever we're doing that day. So anything that can enhance that, all the better. That's right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.